Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. I begin to write some of the things down. What happened to Saul? He lost his anointing. He lost his kingship. Here he lost his life. He lost many of his men. He lost his sons. He lost his honor. And in the end, what happened? Saul made God look bad. Just the opposite of what we've been teaching. Saul made God look bad. The story of Saul is truly a tragic one, more so since what happened to him was completely preventable. His decisions to go against what God had told him to do, his thinking that he was too big to fail, doomed him in the end. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the need for people to search their own lives, to be sure that they're right with God, and to the best of their ability, follow his plan for their lives. Maybe your life won't end as tragically as Saul's did, hopefully not, but you do want to be sure that your life's legacy is more positive and God-honoring than his was. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Samuel chapter 31 as he continues with his series called The Life of David. Look at this verse again. Now the Philistines fought against Israel. The Israelites fled before them, and many fell slain on Mount Yoboa. Now just as Samuel had prophesied, the Philistines quickly and easily defeated Israel. The broad plains of the valley just are why? They had chariots. They had an overwhelming tactical advantage. Israel didn't really have any of that. They didn't have the physical weapons that they could have used. If they would have, they would have done much better. But more than that, they lacked one thing. They lacked God's power and assurance. See, God was allowing the enemy to defeat Israel because their leader was no longer godly. Now, Saul, amazingly, began his military career with success, fabulous success. And there's an interesting contrast between the early days of Saul and Saul here in the end. Look at the early days. After Saul had assumed rule over Israel, he fought against their enemies on every side, Moab, the Ammonites, Edom, the king of Zobah, the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he, Saul, and the armies of Israel inflicted punishment on them. He fought valiantly and defeated the Amalekites, delivering Israel from the hand of those who had plundered them. What an amazing contrast. What an amazing contrast. So what I'm trying to get you to do is to see this. Where you are tonight has relationship to where you've come from. 
And where I stand tonight has relationship to where I'm going. Remember, the decisions I make today turn around and make me tomorrow. So we're going to see a Saul tonight, many years later, who is not going to be in this difficult position because he made one mistake. It's going to be a lifestyle of moving away from God. So it's a great warning for all you and I tonight. You can start really well and finish poorly. The opposite of that is to start well and finish strong. That's what you and I want to do. Look at verse 2. Now the Philistines pressed hard after Saul and his sons, and they killed his sons, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Melchishua. Why did this happen? Pretty simple formula for you to write. First thing to write tonight. Very simple formula, actually. Saul plus God, great victory. Saul minus God, great defeat. By the way, if you want, in your own notes, put your name there. It's the key. It's the key for you. It's the key for me. Me and God, God and me, terrific. Take God out of it, we're in trouble. That's exactly what we see. Now, verse 3, the fighting grew fierce around Saul. When the archers overtook him, they wounded him critically. There were arrows flying everywhere. It was an incredibly fierce battle. The Latin Vulgate translates this, he was wounded in the abdomen, and it was a mortal wound. Verse 4, but Saul said to his armor bearer, Draw your sword and run me through, or these uncircumcised fellows will come and run me through and abuse me. But his armor bearer was terrified and would not do it. So Saul took his own sword and then he fell on it. Now, why would the armor bearer refuse to obey the king? What had the armor bearer done all his life? Protected the king. He'd always obeyed the king. He was afraid to do it, so he absolutely wouldn't do it. Saul looked at it and said, okay, I'll do it. So Saul's death, I think this is interesting, comes by his own hand, that that picture climaxes the end of his life, which really said this, it wasn't his life to take, but he'd been living so long independent from God, he died the same way. See, you and I can't live independent from God and expect anything good to happen in our lives. Saul was no longer dependent on God, God's wisdom, God's power, God's direction. He just took things into his own hands. And literally, he took things into his own hand and committed suicide. Now, why would he do this? Well, he knew what would happen if the enemies found him alive. They would torture him forever, drag him through the cities, make fun of him, He knew what was coming, so he just ended his life. Now, verse 5, when the armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he too fell on a sword, and he died with him. So Saul and his three sons and his armor bearer and all his men died together that same day. Now, let's stop for a moment. What had God told Saul, through this medium, just what you read, that he 
and the three sons would die and Israel would be defeated. Exactly why. So that's why we're confused with it because we're not to consult meetings, but maybe God just overruled it in this one case and gave him the story. Of course, there wasn't anything for him to do, good or bad. It was just the facts were already out. It was done. It was finished. Now, when Saul died, remember something. Saul was a leader. Leaders are people of influence. Here we see the disaster of Saul himself as a leader not following God. It affects the whole army. It affects his whole family. You and I, we don't live to ourselves. Everything that we do is interacted with lots of people. So the sentence you want to write down, let's just talk about it a little bit. Christ followers, we don't live to ourselves. If you're a parent, you don't live to yourself. You have influence. You have great influence. If you're a teacher, you have influence. If you're a boss or a manager, you have great influence. If you're an elder or a pastor, you have great influence. And that's why the scripture gives us all kinds of definitions about what a parent should be, what a father should do, what a mother should do. All kinds of things in Ephesians chapter 5 and 6 about what a boss should do, what a parent should do again. What a pastor should do. As we get to Timothy and Titus, we're told the qualifications of pastors and elders and deacons. Why? Because we're people of influence. Really, everyone in this room is a person of influence. You have people watching you. Most of us outside this church, we're an influence to people we're around. And most of the people we're around are unbelievers. They're watching us. So we don't live to ourselves. More damage comes in a Christian world from people saying they're believers and really not living it than from the unbelievers. More damage comes from us because people get turned off by it. So here is Saul, who started great, but he got away from God. And pretty soon now what happens? His sons die that same day, and Israel itself is going to be defeated. I was thinking about this a lot. If you were told, like Saul, that you were going to die tomorrow, what would you do? If you were told tonight that you were going to die tomorrow, what would you do? Saul didn't do anything different. I thought about this because Saul knew the fact, and what he's concerned with, as you see this, is one thing, himself. Please kill me. I don't want people to make fun of me. I don't want to say, there's the king, so just kill me. So I won't have to put up with it. He's thinking only of himself and isn't thinking at all what God thinks of him. I think this is another thing for us to put down. What God thinks of us is of primary importance. We can become so prideful that all we think about, what do people think about me? That is not the key. It's what God thinks of us. So here's Saul He's told tomorrow he's going to die. He does absolutely nothing different in his life. I would hope you and I would understand that. Now, when I thought about that, what God thinks of us, our role model is always Jesus. It isn't humans. It's Jesus who came from heaven and put flesh on. Listen to this. Matthew 3, 17, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son, Whom I love, God speaking, with him I am well pleased. 
Later, on the transfiguration, remember? God speaking again. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped him, and a voice from the cloud said, God speaking again, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. How much better that day would it have been if Saul would have repented, cried out to God that morning before he died? Saul had an opportunity. We're in the time of Easter. One of the two thieves got it right. They both started out making fun of Jesus on the cross. But one thief got it right, remember? He turned to Jesus and he said, remember me when you get to heaven. In other words, I know your God. He repented. He did it right. So just ask yourself again tonight. It's a good thing to think about. If you would die tomorrow, what would you do differently? What would you say to God? Would you be concerned with your heart? I would hope so. And it's totally clean. Raring to go. We would call people we know. We would have a zeal for witnessing, wouldn't we? Our loved ones would get a call. They'd get an email. Facebook and Twitter, you'd be right there. Of course, we don't know that, most of us. Once in a while, there'll be a person that knows, and the next few days they're going to die because of a lingering disease. But most of us don't know that. So here's Saul. doesn't take advantage of it at all. I, w- I would hope that you and I would take advantage, knowing how short we are in this world. Well, look at verse 7. Now, when the Israelites along the valley and those across the Jordan saw that the Israelite army had fled. Now, why would the army flee? Because they, what happened? The, the leader's dead. The three sons are dead. They're out of there. So they fled. And that Saul and his sons had died. They abandoned their towns all along the valley, and they fled. And the Philistines came and occupied them. That's a sad picture. That's a sad picture. The enemy began to live in the cities of Israel, God's land, God's promised land. Verse 8. The next day, when the Philistines came to strip the dead, they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Yeboah. And they cut off his head and stripped off his armor, and they sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to proclaim the news in the temple of their idols and among their people. And they put his armor in the temple of Asherah, false gods, and fastened his body to the wall of Bess. Shion. Now, here's a couple of pictures. Actually, this is an amazing city. That's, that whole area is Beshion. When we go there, you get to see it. And I always teach this passage, actually, when we're there. And so you can see the countryside, where it is, and what that looks like. This is the remains of the city. Lots of different areas as you go there. Now, what happened? Well, the Philistines came, and they stripped all the dead, as they normally do. They would take all the goodies back to their area. And they went back to proclaim news in their temples. This was their area. Of the idols, those temples that were pagan gods. And they put his armor in the temple, and then they took his body and nailed it to the wall. What about Saul's image now? The enemy knew exactly how to take advantage of the victory over the king of Israel. How? 
Saul's tragic death gave opportunity for the enemies of God to what? Mock him. They put Saul's headless picture in those days on Facebook for the whole world to see. Then they hung Saul headless to the wall. What were they saying to the world? Here's what they were saying to the world. Our pagan gods are more powerful than the God that was supposed to be a powerful God that King Saul served. I began to write some of the things down. What happened to Saul? He lost his anointing. He lost his kingship. Here he lost his life. He lost many of his men. He lost his sons. He lost his honor. And in the end, what happened? Saul made God look bad. Just the opposite of what we've been teaching. Saul made God look bad. I want to challenge you and I with this little statement. When we die, let's make God look good. Amen? Let's make God look good. We sang tonight what? How great is our God. Now, if I'm going to make God look good when I die, when does that have to start? (laughs) Exactly. Because I could die tomorrow. So I just want to challenge you, and most of you are doing fantastic. We want to make God look good today by our lives. All the different areas of ministry in. Look at what God's done in the last three months, four months. He's opened all these new areas of windows where we can go in and minister to people. Plumpy does overseas. A new nation is going to be able to hear the gospel as we've been going through it. Thousands of you are going through And you're almost to finish your 40 days. Some of the rest of you will be till Jesus comes to finish the 40 days. But you'll get there. Just keep going. Just get a chapter a day. That's cool. Just keep going. Just keep going. Here we got the new medical clinic we talked about. Isn't that going to be awesome? See, why are we doing that? To make us look good? Never. To make God look good. King of kings. Lord of lords. That's why we're here. It's not about buildings. It's about God and people and how we use our time. The tippies, as they're down in Peru, like all the rest of our missionaries, why are they down there? To make themselves look good? No, we're there to make God look good. So let me just challenge you in your life. Let's make God look good. Well, look at verse 11. When the people of Jabesh-Gilead heard of what the Philistines had done to Saul, all their valiant men journeyed through the night to Bethshean, Dangerous, dangerous trip. And they took down the bodies of Saul and his sons from the wall of Bethshean and went to Jabesh where they buried them. Then they took their bones and burned them under a tamarisk tree at Jabesh and they fasted for seven days. Now, at the end of a difficult passage, we have hope. Here's some men, some valiant, broad, bold Daring men still left in Israel after they've been defeated. They risked their lives to go and restore the honor of God. Saul is gone, but God has what? Another whole group of people to come up. I think this is a good statement for us, and we know it, but you need to be reminded of it tonight because it takes our eyes off of men. God's work 
is bigger than any man, any church, and any group of people. Don't ever think that we're the cream of the crop for God. No, we're just one of many hundreds of thousands of wonderful churches that God is using. And God can use anybody and does use anybody. So it's not about King Saul. King Saul's gone. What's going to happen? Is Israel going to fall apart? Well, they're defeated there, but guess what happens? They're going to rise up again. You're going to see David comes to the throne. Good things begin to happen again. Why? Because God's going to be back, what? Ruling the people through a godly king. So Moses died. Great man of God died. What happens? Well, I guess that's the end of it. They'll never get in the promised land. What happens? God raises up who? Joshua. Boom, here they go. So I've talked to you about this before. When somebody leaves a church, one of our elders leaves, a pastor does this, a pastor dies, he goes off and starts a new church or whatever. Well, I guess the work of the kingdom's gone. Let's say tomorrow I head off to Timbuktu. God calls me to start a church somewhere else. Well, I guess Calvary Chapel's down the tubes. Don't ever even think about it. It has nothing to do with man. It has all to do with God. Because whose church is it? Yeah. Let's. How about you? If you die tonight, and you leave behind you, what? Hopefully your influence. And there'll be somebody that will take over for your ministry, for your kids, and whatever. I'll never forget this. This is back in 1969 when I interviewed for my job. I know I've told you before, but you need to remember it. I went in to my boss, who was new to me. And he said, now, I'm expecting you to do a great job. Because I have good things for you. And God blessed me for more than 25 years there. And he wasn't really a believer. I find that out later. But he says, just in case you think you're important, here's how much. When you leave, didn't make any difference. Watch it again. That was his opening statement to me. I felt like, what am I, Swiss cheese or what here? But was he wise? He was very wise. Since I've left, there's been three or four more directors there. It just goes on. See, God's work will just go on. So he uses us, but we're not like super special. And so all of a sudden, here's Saul, who had given up. It was a disgrace to God. What do we have? Valiant men come along, and they're going to be rewarded, by the way, from Dave, by David later on because of what? They did. Now, how did Saul come to this tragic end? I want to give you three keys tonight I want you to write down. How did Saul come to a tragic end? Number one, I want you to write this. And you'll see two keys here. Number one, partial obedience is complete disobedience. Partial obedience is complete disobedience. Somehow, Saul made the mistake of thinking partial obedience was the same thing as obeying God. Saul would obey God fully when he wanted to, but if he decided not to obey God in this particular situation, he simply wouldn't obey him. Today, Pastor Mark taught about Saul's beginnings as king. He started out with great military victories that God brought about. As time went on, though, he became self-sufficient and began to ignore God's desires, even claiming to obey God when it was clear that he did not. You learned how easy it is to go your own way and how dangerous making that decision can be. 
There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue teaching about the life of Saul. You'll hear about the defeat of the Israeli army and the deaths that resulted. You'll be reminded that because Saul didn't make God look good, in fact, Saul made God look bad through his disobedience, well, the nation of Israel suffered. Saul's actions for or against God had far-reaching consequences. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series called The Life of David. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.